Emmanuel Conference, and I think I shared this last week, uh, there was a speaker who wrote a book called Growing Young, and he, um, one of the things he said was he had a lot of churches who said, but I don't have young people in our church, so how do we grow young? And he said, the best thing you can do is be a good neighbor. And this is something that I, I ask you to do regardless whether we want to grow young or not. It is what Jesus asked us to do. And being a good neighbor uh, is, is really not that hard. Um, we all have different gifts, skills, talents. But one thing we have is the ability to ask the question, how are you today? Right? And sometimes the best gift you can give to somebody is just listening. How many of you are able to listen? How many of you just heard the words I said? If you heard the words I said, I feel like I'm back on, you know, Tuesday. If you can hear me, snap your fingers. If you can hear me, snap your fingers twice. If you can hear me, snap your fingers three times. You can't snap. If you, if, if you can hear me, snort like a pig once. If you can hear me, snort like a, I made something you could do. <laughs> you can, anyway. So, you can listen. Um, I don't ask you to do things that I myself haven't done. I ask you to do things that are a blessing to others. Being a good neighbor can be fun too, right? I mean, you get to know people, you engage with your neighbors. Um, following Jesus should make you a better neighbor, right? If, if following Jesus has not made you a better neighbor, you're probably not doing it right. Um, as I said, I, I don't ask you to do things that I don't already do. I think that's unhelpful if I did. Uh, one of the things that we do is, is we know our neighbors. We've gotten to know them. We, we talk with them. One of them is from Albania, and her son owns scones and doilies downtown. And um, we've gone and helped them a few times. One day I was walking by, and Lombi was mowing his yard. He's in his 80s and should not have been Lombi, yes. So, so I grabbed the mower. Elizabeth took the dog home, got the boys, and sent them down to mow and finish it. Um, and, and so the other day, Josiah was walking the dog, and he comes back with uh, some scones, and he's like, Lilica chased me down and gave me scones. What do I do? And I was like, you say thank you, and then you eat them. You know, um, One of our neighbors is from Vietnam, and their daughter lives in D.C., uh, and, and they're getting older and having some health issues. And so we were talking with the daughter and made sure we gave our phone number if she has any concerns. We do this because being a good neighbor is what you should do. Being a good neighbor, and if you follow Jesus and you're not made a better neighbor because of that, you're probably doing it wrong. Like the reading said, society invites you to have shallow roots, right? And being a neighbor requires more than just, how are you today? It does require getting involved in their life and learning. And when there's language differences, it gets really tricky. But acts of compassion, acts of grace, acts of mercy, these things speak regardless of the language, right? 
cookies taste good, whether you speak Albanian, Vietnamese, or English. True? So, as followers of Jesus, I want you to go deeper than just how are you today. It's a good starting place if you haven't done it yet with your neighbors. It's a good starting place, but I hope you go a little bit deeper. Likewise, as followers of Jesus, wherever you are in the depth of your discipleship, I want to invite you to go deeper because I believe it makes you a better human. I believe it makes you a better human. In our church, we're using a, a six-fold discipleship model. We begin with a life of worship. And what would it be like if we followed Jesus fully every single day? What would it be like if, like the Psalms, we meditated day and night? What would it be like if we fully followed Jesus? What would your life be like? And what would our life as a church be like? And how would our community be made better? I want you to dream with me today a little bit. And I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need you to respond. I'm going to need you to think out loud. I know for some of you, you prefer to think and have all the answers together before you speak. And this may be a little bit of a stretch. That's okay. (laughs) It's fun watching couples because in every couple, there's an external processor and an internal processor. Usually, not every, sometimes you have both of both. But, but the couples that you've got one or the other, they know who they are. The internal processor just has to have everything together before they talk. The external processor figures it out as they go, right? And I'm seeing people look at one another and grin. So much fun. So if you're the external processor for the family, this will be easy for you. If you're the internal processor, feel free to post it later. Sound okay? All right, but I do want your feedback because I want us to get deeper. So as followers of Jesus, we develop a life of worship. What are some things we do in worship? This should be easy because you're in the middle of worship right now. Singing, praying, we listen. Participate, Participate. we talk. We fellowship. We participate with one another, right? We read scripture. We say thank you to God and to one another. What? We say amen. We sing. We give an offering. We love one another. As your acts of worship, Jake, if nobody's told you today, you're awesome. Amen. That, I gave him this this morning and said, I, I meant to ask him earlier this week, but with a funeral yesterday, things got a little bit out of, out of hand. Um, and I forgot to, and so I gave him this this morning. I was like, how can we do this? And he figured it out, and he put it into practice. So these are some things. If you develop a life of worship, now, um, there was a, a, a meme on Facebook this week that said uh, people, when we, we come to worship, it's like the huddle, but many 
people believe it is the full game of their faith. Right? Coming to worship on Sunday morning is our huddle time like in a football game. And, and the rest of the week is the game. Many Christians treat it as the full game is Sunday morning. Right? What would happen if your whole week was immersed with things like singing and praying and listening and, and talking to God and to one another about God? How would your week be different if, if you engaged with other people in that give and take relationship? If, if you loved one another, if you spent time in the scripture more than just on Sunday morning? If you said thank you to God daily or multiple times a day, if you gave an offering to God by giving your wisdom to other people, by giving your compassion and grace, by being a good neighbor as part of your life of worship, how would your world be different? How would your world be different if you sang more? Do what? It would be happy. It is hard to be grumpy when you're singing. Okay? I didn't do chapel this week because I had uh, a phone call I had to be on, and so I missed singing with the kids. But I can tell you, every week that I get to sing with them, we smile. It's hard to be grumpy. Let's try it real quick. Y'all know rise and shine. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise, shine and give God. Now try and do it grumpy. Rise. Gosh, this is hard. Do it with a frown. Come on, give me a frown. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise. You made that a lot further than I could. I can't do it without grinning. Right? Try another one, Joy to the World. Try and sing that one, Grumpy. Go ahead. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth. I don't know why I went lower with Grumpy, but I did. I did. How would your world be better if you developed a life of worship that spanned the whole week, that included more than just you and Jesus' time. I'm going to give you a little caveat. All these are going to, there's going to be some overlap with all of these, right? But would you pray with me? God, show us what life looks like when we follow Jesus fully. I just want you to dream about what your life would look like. What would your life look like if you had a life of generosity? If your life, all of you are generous people, how many of you have given something to someone in your life? How many of you have done that? How many of you this last week gave something to somebody that helped them? Okay. So we know what generosity is. We know what it looks like. We are called to develop a life of generosity where we live a life with an open hand. Right? What are some ways that generosity shows up in your world? How are some 
what are some things that you do? Because, because we can talk about developing this life of generosity, but we don't know what it looks like until you see it in action, right? As a scientist, we need to have things that we can prove, right? Make sense? And so with those, what are the provable things that you've developed a life of generosity? What do generous people do? They give their time. What else do you give? Your what? You tithe. Give you give your ten percent of your thing. Yep. You give your cookies and cards. You write. You give. You give your happiness. Have, have you ever phone call? Have you ever noticed that when you're walking by somebody? who even, I mean, living in my neighborhood, we have people from about 18 different nations who live within three blocks of us. And when we walk by, even if I don't speak Chinese, when I pass by my neighbors from China and I smile and say hello, they smile back. I had one of my members of my last church went to a mission trip in Honduras among the poorest of the poor. And they said, the difference between us and Americans is you always smile. Hmm. So, so giving away your smile, phone calls. What was the old, old ad? Reach out and touch someone. Giving a phone call takes a little bit of time. What are some other things you can be generous with? Your help with what? Assistance. Come alongside and help somebody. Where else can you be generous? With visits. Visiting shut-ins. All of us, one of our core fears is that we'll be abandoned. Every single person has that as a core fear. That we won't be strong enough, right? Core fear of every single human being. And we have people who, who are cared for. We in our neighborhood, it butts up against a couple different assisted living communities and one's a nursing home. And every time we walk by, we wave at the people as our dog is like sniffing and trying to pull us after the squirrel. But we wave at the people who are in there to let them know we see them and that they're not alone, right? That they are remembered, that they are seen. You admit you like somebody. Yeah. I mean, you laugh about that, but how many of us spend time with people day in and day out? I mean, it's Claude's birthday. Happy birthday today, right? We celebrate you because you made it 365 days. Well done. How often do people bless our lives? How often do we enjoy somebody's presence and never tell them, hey, you know what? You make my life better just by being here, right? Quick story about Claude. This one won't make next service. But when, when I came, I was told I, I had some grumpy old men. And Claude was one of them. And so I get, and so I love my grumpy old men. And in fact, I still refer to him as that because to me, he and John, they're, they're the best. I love, I love them. And so I call them that as, but they make my life better. They make my life better. It's a challenge to be grumpy and old or a challenge to make my life better. Which one is it, Lois? <laughs> challenge to make your life better. 
it's a challenge to make my life better. I thought you were saying it was a challenge to be grumpy, and I was going to challenge you because I'm pretty sure I know some people who like delight in that. Nobody wants to be around a grumpy person. Would you pray with me? <laughs> As you think about this life of generosity, God, show us what life looks like when we follow Jesus fully. As I said, there's going to be some overlap in these. Part of our discipleship is a life of service, of giving to those who may not deserve it, right? To serve people. There is a generosity of, of living with an open hand. And then there is the gift of what Jesus did with putting on the towel and pulling out the basin and washing the feet of some people who were about to walk the door, right? Where do you see a life of service in action? Where do you see that? In Brianna's Hope, walking with people who are struggling with substance use. Kids' closet, backpacks, I heard food. Like, like our backpack program, like uh, senior, senior program, Feed the People, the Bible School. Let's be honest. Let's, let's be real honest about Vacation Bible School. For many in our community, they, go, they find out when Bible School is and they drop their kids from one to the other. It is free babysitting for them. And some of the kids, how do I say this? Their behavior is not as stellar as these two kids over here has been. Right? Right? How many of you have been in a VBS room and you've been praying, oh God, that's all you could get out. You know what I mean? There have been a couple VBS that I began praying exorcism prayers. I'm not kidding. Some of these are little hellions. Where else do we have a life of service? Our church committees. Yeah, because some of them are hellions too. Sorry. <laughs> it was a great segue. <laughs> so, so serving on, you know, and often it's a thankless job, right? I mean, how many of you know that this experience this morning is brought to you, not just by staff people, but by volunteers, people who give their time every week to make sure that that there's a building for you to come to, that the bills are paid on time and that we, we make sure we get that, right? I mean, there's a whole lot that goes into this. Yeah. Um, I need to move on, sorry. Uh, as you think of this life of service in yourself, what does it look like as you serve people in your area? People across the street from us, there's on both sides of the street, our side and our neighbor's side, there's a storm sewer. You know what happens to storm sewers? Leaves all the time. And every time that I see that, I grab a shovel and I clear mine and I go across the street and I clear that one. Why? Because Jesus has called me to serve my neighbors. Would you pray with me? God, show us what a life looks like when we follow Jesus fully. Amen. A life obeying Jesus. What, what does this look like? What does this look like? I'm going to run out of time. I'm not sure how that happened.
I'm, I'm gonna blame Claude. <laughs> Claude, I'll blame you next service too. It'll be hilarious. Everybody will go like, what? <laughs> Life obeying Jesus. What does it mean to obey Jesus? Reading scripture, love your neighbor. How about your enemies? So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap up. We're not going to, this was a good idea, obviously. So, so this last week we had, um, how many of you have seen our protester who comes out here and, and with his signs about how we don't worship God, right? Um, a life that's obeying Jesus loves even your enemy. A life that's open to Jesus pays attention and sees that Jesus is in everybody. And a life of hospitality welcomes the stranger. That's, those are the last three areas. This last week, last story, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, our sign guy, God bless him, uh, his sign broke. And I shared this story on Facebook, but I'll share it again here if you didn't hear it. His sign broke, and one of our members, Mike Hilsebeck, was driving by, and he saw the, the guy's, the, his, his stick that was holding up his sign of how the end of the world is coming, and if you don't get right with God, you're going to hell. Um, and Mike pulled into the driveway, or into the parking lot, grabbed some duct tape and a couple painter sticks, uh, stir sticks, right? And he went out, and he helped fix the sign for the guy. Now, please understand, Mike and Bambi, the first week we noticed the guy showed up, Mike and Bambi left second service with coffee and donuts to take to the guy. And the guy was non-receptive. We'll just put it that way. Several people from our congregation have gone and tried to engage with the guy. I went out and I said, hey, I'm pastor from the church, and he grunted at me, I, I think, twice. And that was all the response I got from the guy. Mike goes out and helps him. And the guy said, thank you so much. Are you a Seventh-day Adventist like me? And Mike said, no, I go to that church. And the guy stopped talking to him. Obeying Jesus means you go love everybody, even the sign guy. Right? Obeying Jesus means that annoying neighbor you have, that annoying family member you have, you love them and you fix their signs. You do the things that may not even be sometimes in your best interest because you love them. Going deeper with Jesus. I don't know how many of you know Mike, but a few years ago, Mike would have been more likely to just, um, <laughs> bless them. I'll bless them with a, you know, um, giving him the number one sign. You're number one. And here, as Mike has grown deeper, he goes and he walks with Jesus in this depth. Is Mike's life better because he stopped and helped fix a guy's sign instead of flipping him off? Yeah. Is our community better because 
nobody else saw the flipping off, right? And instead saw somebody helping somebody else. Yeah. Would you pray with me? God, show us what life looks like when we follow Jesus fully. Amen. My hope is that as you follow Jesus, your life will reflect that more and more. And because of that, your world will get better and you will be better and happier and more at peace.